This is the American Truck Driver Podcast, episode number 16. I decided to title this one Runaway Diesel. I'll explain why here in a minute. Uh, need to record this episode to get everyone caught up on uh, what's been happening over the last couple months. Uh, so I made an op- episode uh, in March, and the plan was to get back into regular recording. And uh, I had done, you know, pretty well for the or the year of 2017 kind of came out and uh, hit the ground running pretty hard in January and February and given that those are generally down months I uh, made pretty good revenue and was doing pretty well uh, I had a new turbo put on my truck in February and things were looking up and uh, I still had an occasional issue uh, where the truck just wasn't wanting to run right, and uh, but I was just trying to hustle and uh, get back to the house and maybe uh, put it in the shop and have somebody look at it. But on April 7th, I was in uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania, sitting at the Petro, and I had a load to pick up the next day, and I had gotten in earlier the day before. So the truck had been shut off probably 14 hours it was cool, but not cold. It was in the, I don't know, 40s. And uh, so I got a good night's sleep. I went inside and got a shower. And I came back out to start the truck. And it started. And it ran fine, perfect, for about five minutes. And then it started surging on 500 RPMs. Uh, the throttle wouldn't respond, and it just sat there and chugged. And I thought, well, you know, I'll shut it off and start it back up still doing the same thing so i called the petro shop and the guy came up and looked at it and he said well i think it's something in the fuel system and i said okay well it's downhill from my parking space to the shop so i thought well you know i'll just release the brakes and try to roll it down uh to the shop and then maybe once i get it moving i can get it to kind of take off so I released the brakes and I started rolling out of my parking space and the, and it changed behavior. It started running kind of and uh, it became th- responsive to the throttle. And I thought, okay, I'm going to make it down. And it was still kind of chugging smoke and not running right. And as I was rolling, another truck started to come around the corner. And I think he saw the smoke coming out of my uh, exhaust pipe and he stopped. I think he realized something was wrong. But when I saw him, I kind of hesitated, and I put the clutch in. And as soon as I did that, it went from 500 RPMs to over 3,000 in what seemed like a fraction of a second. Now, I was on the phone using my Bluetooth, you know, one of those Blue Parrot uh, Bluetooth headsets. And I was on the phone with the guy in the shop so he could tell me which door to go to. And he hears my engine roaring and looks and sees the just cloud of smoke and he says oh my god is that you and i said yeah well i had as soon as it revved up i jammed it into first gear and dumped the clutch try to get the rpms down because i knew what it was doing it was running away it, it had gotten some type of uh unfiltered fuel source and was running away so i jammed it in first gear let the clutch out uh and it started knocking and I told the guy in the shop, I said, well, I think we're done. And he says, was that, was that smoke you? And, you know, he could hear the engine roaring over the Bluetooth. 
And uh, so I idled it a little bit further just to get it out of the way and uh, caught a wrecker and uh, found another Landstar guy to move my trailer for me. And I towed it down to Detroit shop. And, uh, you know, I called Freightliner, and they're like, well, we'll get to you next week. And I'm like, well, that ain't going to work. And the Detroit shop said they'd get to me that day. So I paid to tow it down to the Detroit shop, and I told them what happened. And the guy went out, and he plugged a computer in to get an ECM report. And uh, so I'm sitting in the waiting room, and he walks in, and he says, uh, he shakes his head. He says, 3,577 RPMs. It's done. It's We don't know what's broke, but something's broke, and it's broke bad. Uh, we'd have to take it apart to uh, figure out what's going on. And I said, well, okay. Um, you know, and I had, it's funny, I had joked kind of with my wife. Um, over the last six or seven months, you know, well, if the truck ever breaks and I can't fix it, I'll just go drive for Swift. It was kind of a running joke. Well, I called Swift that day. And uh, well, I was a mess. You know, this, this recruiter. Uh, she was, she was kind of a heartless bitch, but you'll have that sometimes. And, uh, you know, and I told her what was going on. I said, look, I, I think my truck just blew up. I don't have a way to make a living right now. So you guys are probably it. And, uh, so I made the arrangements and, uh, uh thankfully a friend of mine lives in Harrisburg. Uh, he's in the military guy I've known literally since birth. And I called him up and I'm like, I'm stuck. Can you come get me? So I hung out at his house for the weekend and, and I knew the truck was done, you know, and I mean, it's been 18 months or so since we inframed it. Uh, it was out of warranty and I knew that I was done. So I went to his house and licked my wounds over the weekend and, and came up with a plan. So I went and got a Penske truck and, and went up there and cleaned all my stuff out of it. And I posted it for sale on Facebook. And, um, I guess by the end of that week, uh, I drove home. It, it, it broke on a Friday. Uh, Monday, I was headed home. And I think by the next, the following Monday, uh, I had someone send me a check. I sold the truck for $5,000. Some guy in New Jersey bought it. And I guess he's going to fix it and, or do something with it. I don't know. I don't have any idea. So I went to work for Swift. Uh, I'm going to do a separate episode on that one. And I'm going to call it, I drove for Swift for 30 days and lived to tell about it. Um, but I mean, from the truck broke on April 7th, 10 days later, I was in orientation with Swift. Now I am not working for Swift. Um, uh, I, I took a job locally here around the house and, uh, uh we're seeing how that's going. Uh, I may not, I may not keep driving. I'll drive if I can, but at the same time, I've got some other things that I want to do, um, that I wanted to do for a long time, don't have anything to do with trucking, uh, has to do with, with my music. And, you know, the, the truck blowing up may have given me that opportunity. So uh, I'm pretty much going to do whatever I can to get paid for now. Um, but it appears that my time as an owner-operator has come to an end. Now, I, I have learned the hard way, never say never. You know, people say, oh, I'm never going to do this again, never going to do that again. Well, you know, sometimes life says, oh, yeah, you will. Get ready, big boy. You know, I I basically had about six and a half years in either leasing a truck or owning a truck. You know, I I successfully bought a truck and paid for it. Um, It was paid off, and, you know, I I got through the first in frame um, through a, you know, divine miracle. 
and um, I can't say that I regret anything that I did. Now, obviously, if I had it to go back and do over again, there's some things that financially I would have done differently. Um, and that's probably the, the story that most people would tell that have been an owner-operator or still are an owner-operator. You know, they see opportunities along the way. Part of my problem was I was the guy kicking the door off the hinges uh, and figuring it out as I went along, you know, I mean, there was Kevin Rutherford um, that gave a lot of good information, but there's been stuff that I've been able to help people with, you know, that I learned through experience uh, of doing it kind of the hard way, just, you know, just signing up and going for it. So I can't really say I regret the experience, Uh, you know, on a personal level, I'm looking back at, you know, as a guy that's got three kids under the age of 10, Probably wasn't the best decision to get back into trucking uh, 10 years ago uh, when my oldest child was like six months old. So I think this this time now is just going to be about connecting with my family. Um, and and I'm you know, I've, I've got a podcast studio set up here in the house now um, and just got it set up today. So I figured I would I would record this episode and see how it turns out. Um, but now I've, I've got a permanent place and I think it'll be easier for me to, to record content. Cause as, as much as you want to think it's easy to do it in the truck, it's not, it's, you know, trying to find a place to park Well, you run 600 miles and you know, all you want to do when you get there is go to bed. You don't want to dig out podcast equipment and try to record a show, you know? So, um, I would like to continue this project, uh, even though I, uh, may not still be an active part of the industry. I've got 20 years of history with it. So at least I'm going to say that I'm qualified to comment on the things that are happening. we got a lot of stuff happening. we got ELDs. we got uh, the safety advocates are all tore up this week because of the uh, insurance uh, liability limits. Um, you know, we've always got safety to talk about. We've got emissions, ELDs, um, you know, I'm going to, I could write a book that says, um, you know, he, here's how to not be an owner operator, you know, cause, cause I look, I spent time with, had my truck leased to two different companies and they were both great. Anderson trucking service treated me well. There were some things that they could have done better as a company that leased on an owner operator versus a guy driving one of their lease trucks. Okay. But, but when I left, they said, well, what could we do different? And I'm like, well, y'all just lease trucks. That's what y'all do. You're good at it. Um, but that's not the best place for an owner operator compared to a Landstar or a Mercer, um, something like that where, you know, it, it's kind of a place built for owner operators. Um, you know, and in my three years with Landstar, you know, I broke, I think, uh, well, I had just signed my new contract. And so I think I was like two weeks short of my three-year anniversary when the truck broke. Um, but, man, I loved Landstar. Still do. Um, you know, I, I couldn't have gotten as far as I did without them. And there's probably something to be said in the difference of leasing a truck 
uh, to a company versus having your own authority. I think, and this is this is conjecture. This is this is a guess on my part. This this is me taking my experience as a as a leased owner operator versus what I've seen and I've and I've heard and observed about people that have their own authority. I think when you have your own authority, you're so much more on your own that you might be more careful. Uh, now I'm sure there probably are people that go out and get their own authority and fall flat on their face. And I'm kind of thinking that maybe had I gone that route, it's possible. I don't know how likely. I think it's possible that not having the safety net uh, of, of a big carrier uh, may have made me behave a little bit differently. It's possible. Now, I could have failed just as hard doing that as what I did here. Um, you know, I, I don't really regret, you know, buying the 2007 truck. I think if, if I would do that over again, uh, I would have gone and found, you know, a $10,000, $15,000 truck instead of a, I think I paid forty five all in on my truck and had 600000 when I got it. You know, and it only went what two hundred and like two hundred eighty thousand before I had to inframe it. So you know you could you could mathematically make the statement. Well, if, you know if you would have got a cheaper truck in the beginning, um, then it's possible you would have had more cash flow along the way. But you know there's so many other factors to consider. Um, so, you know especially what you got going on at home. You know. Um, so I'm not living with regrets because I couldn't have learned. Well, no, that's right. I probably couldn't have learned a lot of the stuff that I did had I not been in trucking, had I not made the decision to, to go try it as an owner operator. You know, I don't know that I would have ever learned how to do podcasts. You know, that just, it was just a thing that, that, I'm driving along and, and I'm listening to this podcast and it's like, man, I'd like to do that. I wonder how. And I start Googling stuff and I start looking at equipment and I start buying used microphones and mixing boards and, and I figured out how to do it, you know, and, it, <clears throat> and I put it online, you know, it's helped me locally here. Um, you know, I, I've got my church set up, you know, I do all their website and all their podcasts, audio archive and stuff. So, you know, I've learned this stuff along the way, but maybe it's time uh, that I use it now at home, the things that I've learned through trucking, you know, to, to diversify myself into some other fields. So I'm going to keep the content coming, uh, but I kind of needed to set, you know, the record here of what has happened over the last few months and, and how I've got to where I am. Uh, so uh, be looking forward to more episodes of the American Truck Driver Podcast. Um, if you have any questions or comments, you can hit me up, uh, by email and American truck driver at gmail.com, facebook.com slash an American truck driver. I changed my Twitter handle from truck and czar to Chris Polk 76. Uh, the reason I did that was one truck and czar is kind of bizarre and there's a story behind it about a radio show that doesn't exist anymore. And, they called me Truckin' Czar, and so I went with it because I thought I was cool. 
uh, and then that radio show got canceled. So it's just kind of weird and hard to spell and, you know, C-H-R-I-S-P-O-L-K-7-6 is not as weird. So here's to the rest uh, of the adventure to see where we go from here. So uh, that's it for this little short episode, and I hope we'll be seeing you and hearing you on more episodes in the future. 